Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio with another episode, and we have a great interview for today. Mark Copeman, who's the author of a new book. We'll tell you about that in a few minutes. But first, as we've been doing for the last few months, we are going to answer one of our listeners' questions. By the way, if you want your question answered, just go to uh, Twitter and use my handle, at Hyken, and the hashtag is AskShep, hashtag AskShep, and I will answer your question. So I'll paraphrase this question a little bit, but basically the question was about, is it appropriate to go to a CEO to have a complaint or a problem resolved? And here's my response, because by the way, I've done this, but I'm going to tell you, I know that the CEO does not want to hear from you. They do not want to talk to you. They don't want to have any interaction with you. But that doesn't mean you can't go to the CEO's office to get things done. By the way, let me tell you what the CEO does want to do. They want to hear about what your problem is. They want to hear whatever the situation is, good and bad. They want to get a real pulse on what the customer is thinking. So I do know that there are CEOs and presidents and leaders of companies out there that spend a little bit of time looking at social media posts, looking at review sites, getting a compilation of those so they get a really good idea on a regular basis, sometimes even a daily basis on uh, on uh, taking care of of uh, you know what their customers are thinking and understanding what their customers are thinking. But back to the original question, should you go to a CEO? So here's my strategy for you, which will give you the answer. The answer is you know, go to the CEO's office if you feel you've got a problem that's big enough. If you feel, you feel you've been wronged, you're not getting the answers and the issues that you want. But it's really important to recognize you really don't need to talk to the CEO to have things taken care of. By the way, if it gets to a point where you feel you absolutely do need to talk to the CEO, that means the CEO's people are not doing their job. So first of all, we're going to assume that you've tried the typical channels. You've gone to customer support. You haven't gotten what you needed. You've gone talk to somebody. You've talked to a manager. Maybe you've even tweeted some things out or maybe left a review hoping that somebody would respond and it's not happening. So then you make a phone call and you can ask for the CEO by name by uh, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, you can say, would you please connect me to the office of Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, or would you please connect me to the CEO's office? You will be connected to somebody in that office. Chances are pretty high that the CEO will not actually answer the phone or the president of the company, but somebody will, and you can simply start the conversation by saying something like, I don't know where to go, and I'm hoping that you can help me out. And introduce yourself and be really nice. And by the way, asking for help, please help me. I hope you can help me out. Words like that are very, very good to let somebody know I'm here to help. You don't want to put somebody on the defense or start to become offensive uh, by the way you, you react. So you don't come in with anger. You simply say, hi, my name's Chef Hyken, and I've got a situation. I really hope that you can help me out. Uh, who am I talking to? Great. So let me tell you why I'm calling. And then get into what the situation is. And ask, who can I talk to? Can you direct me to somebody that would be able to help me? 
And I would say two things might happen. That person may say, let me call you back and let me see what I can do to resolve the issue. Or they'll call you back or right away give you uh, a number of who you might need, a name of somebody. So uh, ideally, in the perfect situation, they just handle it themselves. Again, their job is to take care of you so that you don't have to continue to try to talk to their boss, that CEO, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, running the company person. So here's what happens if they refer you to someone else. This is really important, and it's really important the way you say it. Here it is. Uh, I was just talking to Mr. or Mrs. Uh, someone, or, let me start over. I was just talking to the office of Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, and they said, you are the person that will be able to help me with this problem. They now know that you aren't coming in from the outside. You are coming in as a direct referral from the CEO's office. That's going to help get your problem resolved. So back to the original question. Should you go to a CEO if there is a problem or complaint? If the problem or complaint gets big enough, go to the CEO's office. Hopefully the person there will take care of you. And uh, if they don't, maybe they will refer you to somebody. And if they do, you use that person in the office's name. So I was just talking to somebody in CEO's office, or I was just talking to the CEO's office. They directed me to you. That's the short answer to a, a big question that I think is a pretty cool question on how you can handle uh, getting your complaints resolved. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Mark Copeman about his new book, this is Chef Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. I promised you a great interview. That's what's going to happen today with Mark Copeman, who is the founder of WiseCurve, and I hold in my hand his most recent book, Help Desk Habits, uh, from customer service agent to help desk superhero in 50 Habits. Now, as I look through this book and we think about this show, you don't have to be sitting at a cubicle, at a help desk, or in the customer service department. The habits that are in this book are really appropriate for for interacting with anybody. I mean, everybody has a customer, whether it's an internal or an external customer. But if you don't have a, a quote, customer service department, yet a customer calls you, any of these habits are appropriate. If your colleague calls you for support and help, these habits are extremely appropriate. So, Mark, welcome to Amazing Business Radio, and congratulations on your book, Help Desk Habits. Thank you, Seb. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, first-time author. I'm, I'm a few behind you, but um, I hope to catch up one <laughs> it's day. It's a start. It's a start. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're doing great with this one. This is a, a, a wonderful start. And I love the concepts of habits, and um, we'll talk about that in just a little while. But, hey, let's jump into this real quick. Just, you know, give me like the 60-second background on who you are, where you've come from, and why should we care about listening to what you have to say? Can you do that in no, 60 seconds? So, 
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. As you said in the introduction, um, I've just founded a, a relatively new business called Wise Curve, which um, is a, a video production agency. So I need to explain the link between this and that. The first product from this agency I'm calling Help Desk Habits. Um, and the reason I've written it is because my background for the previous 10 years has been inside customer service um, and specifically building a, uh, a customer service app called Customer Thermometer, uh, where I learned huge amounts about the concept of, of satisfaction and service through practicing it as, as we set up our help desk, um, but also talking to literally hundreds of, of IT support businesses, um, help desks, service desks right around the world. Um, so that has been the most amazing experience for me. As I say, I had eight or nine years doing that. Previously to that, uh, I built and sold a couple of uh, marketing agencies. So yet again, customer service, so important for small business in building up those relationships and keeping those customers as well. And previous to that, um, uh, I actually uh, graduated as an engineer and I started my career in the corporate world. Um, but quickly realized that actually the, the small business world and where you can really make a difference is, is what I'm all about, I guess, in, in, inside. All right. Well, small business or big business, the concepts in this book are very important. So there are not I, – I know that this, this is a question that you wanted me to tee up. This is in your list of talking points, and it says there are hundreds of books on customer service. I'm going to correct you. There are thousands of books on customer <laughs> service. So why have you written this book and created the course? Well, um, I mentioned I, I actually sold my share in my business um, around about this time last year. So it was wonderful to exit. Um, loved the business, but it was time for me to do something different. It was a sort of a calling in me. So I was very fortunate. In the UK last year, we had the best summer ever. It was absolutely glorious. And as a result, I spent more time reading and I've done in the previous 10 years, probably. And one of the books that really inspired me um, was a book called The Power of Habit, which I thoroughly recommend by an author called Charles Duhigg. And it helped uh, sort of explain in my mind why so many um, uh, sort of change programs and, and even actually just in personal lives, they so often don't stick. So, you know, examples of you know, diets, uh, health routines, fitness, that, that type of thing. So often you hear people saying, you know, I'm, I'm off to try a new diet. And you know, in, a, in a, you know, a, a week's time, a month's time, it no longer works. And this book really helped to explain it to me. And I'm sure we'll cover habits uh, after that. So what I, what I tried to do is to combine this concept of, of really understanding how habits can make real change with so many of the techniques and the tactics that, that I've learned and practiced over the, the previous, uh, what, probably 10, even 20 years, even when I started my disco business when I was in my, in my teens. A disco business. And just business. brought the two things together. Brought the two things together. So that's the reason for writing this book. And it's written specifically for uh, agents and, and people on the front line. It's not for managers. It's, it's, a, it's a, a sort of self-help book, I suppose, of, of really practical um, tactics and and elements that you can bring and, and actually start using the same day or, or the next day and so on. So it's very, very practical. So give me an example of your favorite habit. And by the way, we're going to break into some of these habits as we get through the show, but tell me your favorite one to start with. Yeah, sure. Um, so a real a personal favorite of mine, um, I call the service, well, perhaps not me, someone else has labeled this, but the service recovery paradox. And it's a really simple concept in the Stuff goes wrong uh, in, in business, in your personal life, whatever. 
And what counts is how you fix it. And the fascinating thing, this is a very graphical thing, so I wish we went on the radio, I wish we were in, in, we could actually see this, but Google it, you'll see the graph. And the concept is, if something goes wrong, loyalty uh, dips from a particular customer. But if you fix that problem the best you possibly can, you make it right, then actually over time, loyalty will increase. And I think it's an amazing concept and it really is true. And it's because people become indebted to somebody. Uh, if you do something and you make something right, there's real gratitude there. And so probably well, one of these favorite habits for me, the service recovery paradox, is if you can actually put into practice the fact of understanding that things go wrong, but don't just give up, don't just walk away, don't just clock off. Make it right because it can make such a huge difference in the both the short, medium, and long term when that loyalty starts to to come up over time. So it's a it's a wonderful concept, but putting it into practice is absolutely key. Right, and I'm looking at it, page 36. Uh, so this is my take on this: if you manage that complaint or that problem well, you'll not only and by the way, the goal is not to just fix a problem; it's to restore customer's confidence. If you manage this well, you'll not only restore the confidence to at least the same level they had before when they didn't have a problem, it'll be restored potentially to an even higher level. And this is what you're looking for. You're looking for people to say, you know what, I, I love doing business with them. They're always friendly, always nice. And you know what, when there's a problem, I know I can always count on them. So just uh, about a month or so ago, I bought a very expensive little duffel bag. And the reason I bought it and, and it's because I'm a big fan of my St. Louis Blues hockey organization. A uh, big fan of hockey. And I love my blues. And this this brand, uh, not an inexpensive brand, decided to put uh, in, or uh, what's the word uh, I'm using? But there's a logo on it. Uh, it's now got the St. Louis Blues logo. I go, I got to get that because it's got the Blues logo. So I took it on my first trip the other day and it's on my shoulder. And all of a sudden I feel that bag falling or sliding down my back toward the and what happened is the strap broke not a big deal but the strap broke so i took the strap off and i took a picture of the broken strap and just yesterday we called the company and we explained what happened and uh, i said would you like a picture oh no we don't need it do you want a new bag no we don't want a new bag well what, what, what just send us another strap that's all you want <laughs> We're happy to send you a new bag. No, I'm just happy with the strap. It's going right out. Do you want the strap back? No, we don't need the strap back. Do you want to see a picture? No. You know. Now, in interestingly, they contacted us back saying, we talked to somebody here. They want the picture not because they want proof. They want to see where the defect was so it doesn't happen again. Now, how do you think yeah. I feel about that company right now? I love exactly. that company. Well, you're now telling the world yeah. uh, about your experience, and so other people are going to go and, and buy from them. I right. hear you. So the brand, by the way, is Normal Brand. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's called Normal well, there we Brand. Are. And, and brief, <laughs> briefly, I had exactly the same experience with a, an, an Indian uh, restaurant uh, right around from, from where we are a couple of weeks ago. Long story short, we had a bad experience with a takeaway. I went in there, and I, I said, look, guys, this isn't good enough. This was a couple of months later. I said, you, you should knock a few pounds off this order. And the guy just said, no, you need to have this order. I insisted on paying for some of it. He said, absolutely no chance. We're taking friends there again in, in two or three weeks' time because you know, you've got that extra loyalty towards them. You want to say thank you. Right. So I want to make a point that as we're talking about somebody paying for something. Now, it's one thing to exchange the broken strap for another strap that isn't broken, right? 
it's another thing to say, let me pay for something. Let me uh, give you something for free. I am not an advocate of giving away things for free. Now, restaurants do this all the time. And so if you're a restaurant or the type of business that might think that, hey, if I give somebody something for free, that's going to help make it better, might I suggest you give it to them free the next time. So take care of them. You know, Maybe take it off the bill uh, if it's a restaurant. Uh, if you want to take care of the entire meal, I would say, you know what, let me take this off this time. But you know what I want you to do? I want you to come back. Here's my card on the back. Uh, I'm writing here, you know, free dinner compliments of so-and-so. So the next time you come back here, you're going to try us again. It's going to be on me, and we're going to make sure we do it right. That's a way to give something away, uh, and that gets somebody back in the door, which I think is real important. But the concept of what your Indian restaurant is doing I think is really valid, and that is they're trying to do something extra, something special that's going to make you know how much they care. And uh, so whether they give something away for free or just have this amazing attitude in the way they take care of you, it's the idea of let's do something special and extra because we need to 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 show that we care about our customers. And when something goes wrong, they need to have confidence that we're going to do the right thing. Absolutely. And then I go and tell others uh, to go and eat there. Yeah. They, you know, despite the fact I had one bad experience, they've since made it right and then some. So and, you spread the word. Yeah. And by the way, I know you're in the UK where the best India Indian food outside of India is in the UK. <laughs> it's, it's our a, national dish. It's our national dish. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about these habits that drive an amazing customer experience, or as you call them, a, a superhero type experience. So we are talking with Mark Copeman, the author of Help Desk Habits. It is available on Amazon.com. And we're going to take a short break and we will be right back. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So, what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So, if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Mark Copeman. Help Desk Habits is the name of the book. So you have this, uh, this uh, concept called the habit loop. And this is fascinating, and I would love for you to share what that is with our listeners. Yeah, sure, and it's, it's certainly not mine, Shep. I'm, I'm no psychologist or, or brain surgeon, but uh, referring back to the book I read over the summer, Charles Duick, he explains it very clearly, and it's, it's this simple. If you want to make real change, you have to understand uh, what this habit loop is all about. So it consists of three different things. There is a trigger. So, for example, you might be making a cup of coffee at 11 o'clock every morning, and then there is a routine which is associated with that trigger. So one of the routines could be you take a biscuit out of the biscuit barrel. Uh, a, a cookie is probably another better word for the American audience. But a cookie I, I, out of the, I was going to clarify. Yep. <laughs> uh, and and the uh, reward, which is the final part of this loop, is that you get a sweet treat. So you associate, uh, you know, 11 o'clock, coffee time, sweet treat. And you start to do that on autopilot. You automatically reach into that cookie jar. 
So the idea of um, then switching that, if you want to change that habit, so you're starting to eat more healthy, 11 o'clock comes, you make a cup of coffee, and rather than that routine reaching for the, uh, for the cookie, you reach for the apple or the banana or whatever it may be. But the reward, you have to have the reward associated with that routine is, do you know what? I'm eating healthily. I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to live longer. So that That's a is good the reward, to, by the way. It is a great reward. Why, why wouldn't you want to do that, you know? Uh, when you say that, though, it's not as, as, as instant and as fun and as enjoyable, perhaps, as the sweet treat. But actually, long term, it's a much better thing for you. So, so much about what I've written about is to try and break down these, these, these habit loops for each of the 50 habits. So that rather than the traditional old routine of doing something in a particular way, you do it in a different way. And actually, you therefore form a different reward uh, which uh, hopefully over time will then help you to embed that habit and to become normal, uh, and that then gets stored away in your mind, and it's just something which happens automatically. Yeah, interesting. So, you know, what do you think of this whole concept of the, uh, you know, practice something for 30 days and it becomes a habit? Is that something you subscribe to, or do you have your own belief about that? Uh, I do, providing that habit loop is, is, is formed correctly. There is no point, or, or it's not possible to practice something for 30 days if at the end of it, the reward isn't worth it. You know, it's not uh, reinforced enough for you. Um, so, you know, you, you, you might, you know, you, you relate this back to, to diet again. You know, you might do that for, for a month, but actually, eventually, if in your mind you don't feel that reward is worthwhile, you will lapse back into the old habit. It's, that's just human nature. So you have to have, it's no longer good enough just to have that trigger and routine. You've got to associate a reward with it as well, however hard that may be. And then I believe, yes, absolutely, you practice, you practice, uh, it becomes embedded and it becomes autopilot. This is the other thing. Um, uh, that is then stored away in a very specific part of the brain uh, called the, the, the basal, the basal ganglia, believe it or not. Um, and once it's there, it then becomes a habit. It's like the same thing as reversing out the drive every morning in your car. You don't think about it. You're worrying about your first meeting or, you know, whether the kids got to school okay. So you store it away in autopilot mode, and, and that allows your brain to get on with the other stuff that's going on around the edge. So what kind of habits do good customer service people have? Um, I think the, the, the concepts of having uh, rapport, of having empathy, of having understanding – uh, a, a very sort of general habits. I mean, I, I talk about 50 of them, uh, but, but some of the themes, uh, you know, around the right, having the right attitude uh, towards both your, you know, your day, the day you're having personally, but also the right attitude towards that, that customer. And, you know, I do think these can be broken down and, and made very, very specific, in, you know, and then into actual sort of tactics, so specifics. And that, that's what I, I try and achieve in, in what, I've, what I've done here. So, you know, around attitude, Communications, you know, there, there's another one. You can very easily get into into bad or start, you know, your career or a job with with bad habits if you're not, and you may not even realise why. You, know, you might need to be shown the way, and that that's obviously what I'm hoping to do here. That's called training. Um, so yeah, attitude, communication, emotion, specific tactics, and then right at the end, there's a, a, a section around what I call superhero habits. You know, if you've mastered the other elements, then then up you go to that to that top level. So uh, when I think of habits, I think habits are tactical. They're things that you do, not 
overarching ways that I think. Uh, so, it, I mean, I may say, yes, I know it's important to be nice to a customer when they call and start off with a positive, uh, you know, start to the conversation. But the, the, and the tactic behind that is the way I answer the phone. Good morning. This is Shep Hyken. How may I help you today? You know, as opposed to hello or Hyken here or what do you want? <laughs> you know, and you may not say what do you want, but you make people feel like maybe that's what you said. So there's the tactic and the way you actually, the words you use and the way you express them. And so that is what becomes habit. Now, I think that uh, some of these things that you have in the book, uh, which, by the way, they're, they're great, uh, when you get into a habit of something, it shouldn't become so routine that you're not thinking about it, that you're not aware of it. Uh, but what you're trying to do is create some type of, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll call it some type of a muscle memory. For example, that tactic of the way we answer the phone. We always answer the phone that way. Well, I've memorized how to answer the phone. I just now have to be aware of the way I'm using the words, my inflections, uh, the emotion that's coming through. All right, so uh, I want more of your habits. And I definitely want to get into the superhero habits because, you know, everybody thinks, oh, we probably have the basics down anyway. Make me a superhero. <laughs> Uh, all right, let me give you a, an example of a, of a more tactical one. Um, and uh, I think this, is, this is, becomes more apparent every day, actually. This one's called lay it out, Shep. It sounds very, very simple at, at face value. But when you're, particularly this applies to if you're responding in a, in a written way, so you're, you're dealing with tickets every day on, a, on some kind of service desk, always being cognizant that quite often people are going to be reading your responses whilst running for a train, ordering a cup of coffee, um, and uh, really just kind of glancing at the mobile device that this email has come through on. And the, the habit laid out is really simple in that it's very easy just to rush out a single paragraph response, bang, out it goes, hit send. But if you take the time, just take a couple of moments to look back at that response, appreciate who you're, where, you know, the, the situation your recipient might be in, and actually spacing things out a little, putting in some bullet points to answer specific uh, questions that, that may have been raised, maybe even using bold or something like that, but actually taking some care, laying it out, um, and that will mean a couple of things. First of all, that recipient can glance at it, get the, get the information they need quickly, and then move on. But secondly, and this is probably more important, the impression that you are creating by taking that time and taking that care is huge, and it actually provides... Um, just, just so much more to that end customer that you're not just a company that's just going to bash some kind of template out and send it back to them. You've taken the time, you've taken the care. So impression, the impression you provide by taking your time, laying things out nicely, uh, is just extraordinary. All right, and, and where my mind went when you said laying it out was, I'm going to kind of recap what the customer's asking me in paraphrasing it so that they know that I'm thinking about them and not giving them some canned answer, or the answer that I'm giving them is totally appropriate. Uh, is that is that part of it? Does that make sense? It could be. I, I mean, I'm being very specific here in terms of physically how something would look on a page. Does it look aesthetically pleasing? Mm -hmm. Is it easy? Is it being made easy to uh, to read and to understand that information that's being provided? Yeah, what you just said there. Of course, that's important. That's probably more of a communications thing. Um, and actually writing the right words and, and, and phrasing things correctly. There's another habit around phraseology, in fact. Uh, but no, this, this I am, you know, it sounds crazy, but actually laying things out in a good-looking way to make right. it easy to read, 
simple but very effective. Hey, we're not graphic designers, but we're going to give them, uh, you know, hey, uh, uh, here's a step-by-step. Rather than putting all in a paragraph one sentence after another, you're saying, you know, bullet point it, make it easy to read. So, okay, that's, that's cool. Uh, give me another superhero habit. Another superhero habit, something um, I have used to great effect personally over the years, and particularly working back in customer thermometer. And I have to say, people are always amazed by this, and it always blows my mind that they're amazed. And that is to use the power of whether either even um, imagery or, when you really go crazy on this, video. So what I mean by this is to actually, so I'm thinking maybe more in a sort of a, a, a technology area now, but it doesn't have to be. I've, I've done it showing people how to use something in PowerPoint before, but actually to create a little screen cam, you know, we can all do this now very easily just using our browsers even, just using a, a simple uh, browser extension. It doesn't have to be expensive software where you actually show a little routine. You move the mouse around the place. You show people where to click, what to do to uh, create a particular effect, to, to uh, you know, carry through a particular technique. And then you snip that little URL wherever it's saved and you drop it into your, your ticket and out it goes. So that that particular customer then has a very, very visual explanation as opposed to reading four paragraphs of if you click here and do this and then enter this and so on and so on. So the power of using video for explanation, even with voiceover Shep as well, where it gets even, you know, even better, the, the, the effect, um, can really wow your customer. Again, it's about impression. It will create an amazing impression. But most importantly, it will get that explanation across uh, in a professional uh, and succinct way. And the other lovely thing is people can also forward that on to others so that other people can benefit from your yeah. explanation. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, you hit the... the, the the hot button in the hot button in a good way uh that this is a hot idea this is something you should have everybody thinking about when you respond to a customer boy to be able to use video now there's many different programs out there i personally use a program called bomb bomb video and bomb bomb video it's uh, i can send video emails and when i send uh, somebody who has a question an email or an e or video in the email embedded in the email and they open it up and there i am hey it's shep here and i have the answer to your question and they hear me they see me they're going wow this guy and i out i know you want to know something it takes me longer to type than it does just to talk <laughs> exactly. but the impression exactly. of that video is so much stronger than if you know you just sent a regular uh you know email with some impression so what a great idea. I, I don't know so much if that's a habit or a tactic, but it's a superhero technique. How's that? <laughs> it is. But the thing is, it's a, the, the habit here is when you start to write that long, drawn-out response to just go, hang on a second, let's trigger something in my mind. All There's right, a better yeah, there way you of go. Doing this. So yep. that's where I'm coming from there. Very good. All right, we are just about out of time, and I always go to the one thing question. So... One thing you want to share with us that you haven't or something you want to emphasize that's so important, what would that one thing be? There is a theme throughout the book I call human customer service. I don't think I've invented that theme. I think it's been out there for years, but I want to reiterate this. And I think it is so easy to stand out as a business if you allow the people who are fronting that your business, it doesn't have to be on a help desk, it could be any part of that business, to have a personality, to be themselves, to be human and not robotic. So to stop using that, that boilerplate or to stop using the boilerplate and not uh, customizing it at the very least, 
but to actually write that little PS with that little you know anecdote, the little jokey thing, the little re- reference to some history with that customer, whatever it may be, make that customer feel special. I know it sounds cliche, Chep, I really do, but the human element can make such a difference when it's allowed to shine through. And the beauty of this is that so few companies get it right. So when you do get it right, you stand out like no other. And it just takes so little effort to do it. It just needs the, if you like, permission of the company uh, and, and the right culture within that company to spread. But human customer service is we throughout the help desk habits. And for me, it is everything when it comes to dealing with customers. Right, because people don't do business with a building. They don't do business with a store. They don't do business with a company. They do business with the people inside those stores or inside those walls. Great information. Mark Copeman, the author of Help Desk Habits, From Customer Service Agent to Help Desk Superhero in 50 Habits, available on Amazon.com. Mark, thanks for being on our show today. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, Chef. Lovely to talk to you. All right, everybody, another amazing episode on Amazing Business Radio. Come back next week. We'll have another great interview. And until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>